Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. All right. Welcome back. Appreciate you guys coming back for yet another episode. We always do a review of the week at the beginning, and this one's a little bit different. We've been running the group, The Ascent, for quite some time, and the feedback we've got from that group has been tremendous. So one of the guys said, the first week I got the whole amount of value for the whole cost of the program in the very first week of, of doing the program. So I'll omit his name because uh, I didn't get permission to, to use it. So, But nevertheless, we've had a ton of fun. You got to surround yourself with people that help you get better. Doesn't matter who they are, but find those people for you and work on getting better. All right, let's dive in. Let's dive in. So today we have got a fantastic guest. He's written a book called Iron and Cotton, Man's Field Guide to Marriage. So super, super excited to welcome Mike Povince. Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Hey, man. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. I know uh, the kind of work it takes to put together this kind of stuff. And it sounds like you got a great group of guys that follow this. So uh, I'm eager to be of, be of service to everybody that's listening. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, we're so glad to have you. I, I never take for granted the time that it takes to be a guest on somebody else's podcast. So thank you. Before we dive into how you got into this, how was your childhood? How was your upbringing? What was your dad like? right right after it let's go so upbringing was everybody says our upbringing was normal right you know if you sit down with any guy and uh-huh. like, oh, what was your upbringing like oh it was pretty normal it's like well we only have one one real view into things so it's been interesting as a guy in his 40s looking back on was it normal how does that how does that actually look but grew up uh mom dads uh, stayed together until about high school uh they went through a divorce at that time when i was a sophomore Grew up playing uh, soccer, a uh, big soccer guy, actually ended up going all the way through to college doing that. But oh, wow. uh, our, my childhood was my daughter and I, I my daughter and I, my, my daughter plays soccer, sorry. Uh, my sister and I splitting weekends, who was going to which soccer tournament. So that was very much our life growing up, school, soccer, and playing with friends. And I had a dad that was uh, my coach for the bulk of that uh, time. So my dad could take every every little piece of uh, soccer and turn it into life wisdom and, and teach, teach uh, life skills out there on the soccer field. So I had a a very engaged father with uh, sports and and life lessons and emotional intelligence and just uh, uh, a lot of different uh, influences through him throughout the years. But uh, it's, it was a, it was, it was pretty solid upbringing. You know, the, the Rocky part of it was when they went through a divorce, that, that was a challenge. Uh, it was, it was, it was tough on everybody. My sister was off to college. Um, my parents, you know, we went through some financial struggles during that time. My, my dad had gotten laid off and uh, we tried a, a different business and it created a lot of stress and tensions and things, but uh, they persevered. And uh, my mom, you know, moved, moved on to, you know, become a travel agent and really become independent and do some really cool things. And 
And uh, my dad, you know, became the entrepreneur that he's always wanted to be and, and ended up getting remarried and things settled out. But, you know, divorce can be very, very challenging on a family. Uh, part of the passion that I have about this book, you know, comes from not only my own personal experiences, but my wife and her experiences with divorce, uh, with her family and uh, walking with friends through divorce. So it's, it's uh, very well embedded in me and in my heart to, to try and help men steer clear of some of those, those challenges that come up. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny how you think get married and then life will be just perfect. Right. Yeah. We think, uh, oh, I've been dating this girl and it's awesome. And I, I like to give the analogy of going on, going hiking. Do you like to go hiking? You know? Oh my gosh. All the time. That's if, if there's one thing that I like to do, it's, it's hiking, you know, okay. So day, Day doesn't, hikes doesn't cost money. Day hikes, the kids enjoy it. You know, provide it. You know, once they get out hiking, they enjoy it. But getting them to agree to hike is a whole different story. Right. Now, have you ever done like the whole Appalachian Trail? Six months of hiking? No, I haven't gone crazy like that. I've had a few friends that have done it, and they've told me some wild stories. But no, I haven't gone that crazy yet with it. So there, there's my analogy right there, and I actually threw this in the book. Is you and I are well versed that if we needed to go out for a day or two and go for a hike, or you know, we would throw some stuff in our pack, we would be prepared for that. And we can, we can handle that. But the journey of marriage is more like the Appalachian Trail. It takes a lot more preparing, a lot more thought, a lot more insights that you would need to have about that journey. You're going to want to know, what am I going to come across in this state? Or what am I going to come across? And, uh, you know, what are the dangers? What are the things that I don't want to miss? You know, where are people made mistakes before? You know, if you and I were going to Go on Appalachian Trail. I bet you and I would have a ton of discussion leading up to that trip, a lot of preparation. And there's more preparation, I guarantee you, being done for guys hiking the Appalachian Trail than they are the, that's being done for marriage. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great analogy. In that group, The Ascent, we were talking about same kind of thing. I talked to guys about how they kind of have their head down wherever the path takes them. They just go along. A lot of guys lead their life this way. And after a while you look back and go, huh, how'd I get here? Right. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I was that, that's what happened to me. I 20 years into my marriage and looking back going, Whoa, I got lucky, man. I, I, I could have made so many watching friends go through some of these different struggles. It's like, wow, why did this not happen to us? I was like, I was this close to falling off that cliff. Yeah. You know? I just got lucky because of, you know, maybe I handled it a little bit differently for whatever reason, not because I was prepared or somebody informed me It's because I got lucky in the decision that I made. So yeah. it's, it's definitely very, uh, very eye-opening and, and very comparable to that kind of that hike that we're, that we're talking about. And, and we all feel so prepared, right? Like I'm sure, you know, like me, I've, I feel very confident. I can go out there and hike and take on if a storm rolls in and things like that. I know what to do because I can actually hike to my car. It's only 10 minutes away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, you know I, I know where the, I know where safety is, but uh, you know, in, in that six month journey up the upland trail, I, I don't know exactly where safety is if I, unless I've prepared for it or where we can go get a reprieve and get some help and, and things like that. So Anyway, just keep that in mind, guys that are listening. You know, where are you in your marriage? Did you prepare for it? Where are you? Are you two months into this hike and you haven't even thought about what the next six months has for you? Uh, setting goals, assessing yourself, assessing where you are, assessing where you're going, 
assessing what knowledge did you go into this thing with? Those are all things that really became uh, an epiphany for me uh, a handful of years ago. Yeah, absolutely. So I talk to guys all the time about, we got our head down, like lift your head up and look around a little bit. Sure. But know. it's so easy. We get so busy. We get so caught up. That's the word. That's the word. Yeah. Between work and goofing off with buddies, you know, going to play golf or uh, for us for a long time, it was poker nights. We couldn't get enough playing Texas Hold'em when that was all the rage. But right. uh, you, know, you just, next thing you know, 10 years have gone by. Yeah, exactly. So guys, if you hear that word busy coming out of your mouth, stop. Ask yourself, what is it that's causing the busy? And is that sure. the busy you want? Well, and I heard you in a, one of your podcasts talking to somebody about being very intentional and purposeful, right? And right. stopping that busy and assessing where you are takes that intention. It takes that purpose. It takes that, I'm going to make a change here, but I got to self-assess before I can make that change. Yeah. When, when you think self-assessment, what are some things you think about to do that? And it just goes off like an alarm in my head every time I get asked a, that kind of question. Uh, my biggest struggle is patience. Um, so I'm, I'm continually trying to assess my patience. I'm quick to come with the answer. You know, I think I, I, I run with a, uh, a crowd of guys. We all have the same kind of feelings. I feel like I know the solution to my wife's problem. I feel like I know the solution to the problem at work. I know, you know, so I, yeah. before, before I hear the complete story, I've, I've made an assessment, I've made a decision and I, and I, I can be very impatient uh, with that. So being a better listener is what I I'm working on. Um, I know this is a very uh, faith-based uh, orientation here. So, and, and I am as well. So I'll, I'll throw a verse out there is that James 119, quick to listen, slow to speak. Right. And that one's one that I think about uh, often to try and slow myself down, be patient, listen, try to understand, not just listen to speak and respond, but listen to understand. And that takes patience and patience doesn't come naturally for me. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny how as men, that's just hardwired in us. Let's we want to solve problems. Yeah. And, and then if we think we're smart, man, we really got to solve problems. Now the pressure's on. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw the word out there. Arrogance, right? We yes. Pride and arrogance can be one of the biggest obstacles to us being uh, compassionate, being a good listener, being patient and being understanding. Arrogance and pride will get in the way of uh, ultimately connection uh, is, is what being a good listener and, and being someone that's understanding gets in the way of connection and connection with our wives is majorly interrupted when that arrogance or pride steps in. Yeah, absolutely. That that's a red flag for me. So whenever I am stepping somewhere, I, I th often think to myself, is this arrogant? Is this prideful? Is this self-centered? Is this only about me? You know, am I doing this to puff myself up? And a lot of my friends say, Dude, don't worry. No, no, that, that would never come. I'm like, well, it, may, it might appear that way to you that that would never come from me because I'm always checking myself to make for sure that I don't go that direction because yeah, that can, that can be kind of the end. Like you can go super bad places with that. Sure. Sure. It can lead to defensiveness too. Right. 
get defensive over things. You know, that, that question that gets asked or whatever, and you immediately get a patient, you know, defensive because it, it pings something uh, about your manhood maybe, or, or your abilities. So you go into defensiveness. Um, How are you looking right into my soul right now? Like we're all, we're all very much alike, buddy. Very much alike. Yeah. That defensive man. When I feel like I need to come back with something, when I feel like I'm not as smart, when I feel like I don't have the answer, which sometimes people ask you questions that you can't possibly have the answer, but yet I still feel that urge to have an answer. And uh, especially when it's somebody important to me, that's asking me something where I feel like they think I should know. And I don't like for sure. Oh, you know, we so we always want to exhibit strength, right? Our go-to is strength. You know, yep. and that's that's the guy with the answers. That's the guy with the ability to solve the problems. And sometimes we just got to listen. We just got to got to be patient, or maybe direct to somebody that can maybe answer it better. Even though as much as that might hurt, yeah. recognizing I am not the expert. But you know what? I'm thinking about John right now. John knows a lot about this topic. I'm gonna. I'm going to, I'm going to refer you to John or, Hey, you know what you should call, you know, you should call so-and-so about that. And I think you're on the right track, encouraging people that maybe you're not the one with the answers for those kind of things, but, but help them get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll run a few scenarios uh, by you and maybe we can talk about screens in this conversation, just jump right to one of the major, major, major issues. So I was talking to a a guy I know um, and he says, I'm having some troubles. I said, yeah, tell me, tell me more. He goes, as I'm looking at and evaluating my life as I'm taking a productive pause, I got some major challenges. He's like, what I allowed happen was I allowed my daughter's kind of unlimited access to screens and things. I said, okay. And I'm like, and I know him well enough to know the scope of his family and on the outside looking at everything looks perfect. And he says, because I allowed screens in to have so much influence on them, they've, you know, teenagers, college age in that span, he's like, they're going against a lot of the ideals that we have. Some of the outside pressure coming in on a daughter, you know, the appearance, the, the mean girl stuff and all that. He's like, there's so much pressure. And I feel like I didn't prepare them well enough. I didn't put it up enough guardrails. I wasn't as involved in that area as I, I should have been, it was, however we got to where we are now, I feel like I would have done it differently had I known. And I'm like, man, sure. I totally get that. Like spin the clock back 10 years. And that was the beginning of it. Like nobody really knew what we know now. And now we're just starting to kind of figure out, oh, there's a lot of problems here. Obviously we can apply the same thing to marriage as well. So feel free and just talk about whatever's on your mind about screens. Yeah, for sure. This and then is wave the one. magic wand for all of us also, so we all can just solve it. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not going to solve this one. I'm right in there with you. I'm, I'm in this walk. We're all part of it. This is a big social experiment going on that uh, we will be able to look back on this time. I think that our children will be the ones that solve a lot of the problems that are occurring over the last several years with this, because they're going to be able to look back and go, wow, that was really damaging for my childhood. I'm going to make sure our kids are protected for that. So I am optimistic that the future things will change, but as we are still in it, uh, it is very scary. I will say that 
it's funny, we just got off the topic. I brought, brought up uh, defensiveness. When this first started to hit for us, I recall being defensive in that, oh, they're fine. You know, they, you know, like we got there. I've got a daughter that's about to go to college. I've got a son that's um, in the middle of high school. And then I've got a, a daughter that just started middle school. So we've got the, the range there. And we learned a lot with the first two that we're doing some things differently with the third one. And then I'll touch on the stuff with my wife and I and how we handle that. But with the kids in the beginning, my wife and, and, and I would challenge guys to really. In my scenario, I needed to listen to my wife more. She was more concerned than I was. And I was dismissive of the concerns about screen time and what they're getting into and social media and things like that. And as we dove into it more, I wish I had engaged earlier. She was, she was help wanting me to find a solution to protecting them with things like bark. I don't know if you've heard of bark. It's, oh, a, it's an app to help track that. I think Disney even has, you know, there's different apps out there and applications and things to help you manage screen time, you know, block adult content um, it's a you know decision between you know you and your your wife about you know when to introduce social media or not even at all. I mean, we even talked about giving our our youngest daughter a flip phone so she wouldn't even have the the temptation. And I think you'll see more of that coming in the future. But uh, you know, I will say I, I have an iPhone. Uh, there are some great settings in there that you can now apply. Uh, we do all kinds of management on our kids as far as screen time apps allowed, time on those apps. Um, they've even come to us after uh, some time before and said, you know what, I think I'm going to take this off my phone. And they, and then we gave them choices like, you want Instagram or you want Snapchat? You can't have both. You know, just different things like that. Uh, try and cut out a little bit and then minimize the amount of time. Uh, there are a lot of things that are impacting kids right now from um, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, things of that nature that are very much fueled by what they're seeing on social media. The evidence and the data out there is plentiful, showing how damaging and how addicting. I've put a, a, a statistic in my book talking about that social media addiction is giving us the, and we've all probably, you got a smart crowd that's following us. I'm sure you've probably heard this and seen it, but it's giving us the same kind of dopamine hit that some drugs give us. And then we're looking for that next high, you know, of getting, getting back on there and seeing stuff from, uh, you know, social media stuff to dare I say porn, uh, you know, that's, you know, mm -hmm. getting, getting in the eyes of our kids, getting in the eyes of us men, um, you know, and then, you know, addiction starts from social media, going back to see what everybody's doing and being obsessive about it to going back to, to looking at porn and being obsessive about it. So there's a ton of danger out there. I will say I do like social media in the sense it connects guys like us, you know, I, I, I yeah. wouldn't probably meet you and, I love being able to put a picture out there in my family so that all my relatives can see and, uh, you know, we can stay connected that way. I've reconnected with buddies from high school and friends, you know, so there's some really neat things that happen there, but it's got to be managed. You know, it's, it's just like, it, it just needs better management. So I'll, I'll pause there and then uh, I'll touch on, uh, you know, the interactions with screen time and my wife, but any other thoughts on that before I go there? So when you mentioned, and I'll just say it, when you mentioned your wife says, Hey, I could use your help. We need to protect. And guys, 
This might speak to all of us. This one's in our wheelhouse. Protect is hardwired again in us. Like that's what we do as guys. We protect our family. And I'll be darned if you could see, you guys are listening on a podcast. So if you guys could see Mike, he's wearing a flannel. He's got the beard. Like he might be packing right now. Like he's a protector. And this one slipped by him. His wife says, Hey, protection. I want safety. I want security. I want my family, my kids to have safety and security. Help protect us. And Mike, ah, I'm busy with some other stuff. There's some other more important stuff than protecting my family. Of course, that's not what he actually intended to do, but this one was sneaky. This one was sneaky. This one wove its way in. And then, then there was, I'm sure a problem. I'm sure things came up and you went, oh my goodness, how did I not protect? How did I not play offense on this one instead of reacting to it down the road? You nailed it, buddy. I, I, uh, I did this one, this one got by the goalie, man. It, uh, I am a protector. It's just, as you said, it's hardwired in us. And, and I, and I pride myself, Oh, I would, you know, take a bullet from my wife, you know, I'd take a bullet from my family. And, but those bullets are not as obvious as a man standing there with a bullet pointed at your family. It's, it's this kind of stuff that we have to be aware of and, and engage in even, and I didn't end up, bringing it full circle to the defensiveness. I didn't know how, and I got very defensive and I, my defensiveness turned to dismissal because I didn't, I was overwhelmed. I didn't know what the answers were. I didn't know the best way to tackle it. And I just didn't put enough mind, mind to share into it to figure it out until it got to a point where like, okay, this isn't going away. I do see the dangers and risks. And, and the equivalent I would give you is, would you ever take your child to the middle of downtown and just drop them off to go see, or maybe the more equivalent is Vegas. Would you ever drop them in the middle of Vegas and be like, hey, have fun for a couple hours. Go wherever you want to go. See whatever you want to see. Talk to whoever you want to talk to. Oh, and by when the way, put, here's a grand. Take, take a thousand bucks cash with you. Yeah. We are, when we put a phone in a kid's hand, and we have no parameters on it, no anything. That's what we're doing. We're putting them in the middle of Vegas to go see and learn and experience whatever they want to experience. And that's completely very dangerous for our, our families and for ourselves, candidly for ourselves. I, I set limits on myself now. I, I, now I, I'm not, I got to get better. You know, a time limit will come up and it's a reminder of like, oh, geez, I've been on here. You know, apparently I've been doing too much social media, but I'm also in a, you know, a passion project of what I'm doing that I, gets me on social media, you know, putting right, posts right. out and stuff like that. But I need to be cognizant of that. But anyway, um, how it impacts uh, myself and my wife, uh, first of all, as the example shared, it, it created tension for us on how we were managing it with our kids. So that tension arise, and instead of taking ownership of it, played this back and forth tennis match, you know, of Who's going to do what? Well, if you're concerned about it, do, you know, what, what are you suggesting? Uh, you know, you got to have a little more dialogue there than, than resistance. And then as far as social media for us, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many nights we've gotten, gotten into bed. She's on her device and I'm on my device and we're sitting there just scrolling through, seeing what's happening in other people's lives. And we're not turning to each other and engaging. And we've caught ourselves doing that. And we're like, all right, put them away. You know, tell me about your day. 
or let's not do that. If anything, if we're going to sit and sit in bed together and, and, and not watch TV or something, let's go sit up there and read a book and tell me about what you're reading and, and engage with each other um, or just have downtime, shoulder to shoulder time. Um, but, you know, the social social media devices can be all consuming. I know a buddy that was trying to re-engage his wife after several years of disengagement and she became very defensive, you know, that, Hey, this is my time. This is my time to disconnect and see what everybody's up to. And, and he's just trying to re-engage the marriage, but it's become such a habit. It's become such an addiction that it's like trying to take a, a beer out of someone's hand. That's an alcoholic. Like, what do you mean? Take this away. I'm having a good time. So I think we need to be very, very aware of how, Social media screen time is impacting our our marriages, uh, ourselves individually, and, and take some serious uh, self reflection and 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 create some some guardrails for yourself. So let's take that example, and if we can run with it a little bit, whenever we as men, as the leaders of the family, we decide to to pivot and do something different, and maybe we can use the example of screen time at nighttime. Wife's on her phone, you're on your phone, but what does that look like when the man changes? I, I'm a big believer in that the, the man can move mountains in his home by just changing himself. Uh, I went through a, a great, uh, uh, what is it, clinic? I went through a great uh, uh, kind of 12-week study to some, with a guy named Peter Burke. He uh, has a book called Your Marriage Matters to God, which I would highly recommend to, to people. A very faith-based book really helps you pull in, um, but he does a lot to steer you towards helping you understand that you changing yourself can impact your marriage. Uh, so often we want to change our wives, like, well, she'd only do this, or she'd only change this, or if she would respond differently than I would. Love is not a bargain. You love her and you love her well, not because you know, it's an exchange or a, a deal or a negotiation. You become the best version of yourself and you love her well. And, and sometimes uh, you just need to work on yourself. So, so with that, making that change, I, I do think engaging our wives in that change, like making them aware of, hey, here's something I'm recognizing. And maybe you recognize it too. I have some thoughts around, you know, what I think we should do, but I think we should get in alignment here. What do, you, what do you think? And create that, that engagement, not that, hey, here's what's going on. I'm fixing it. And here's what it's going to look like. That's great. I, I appreciate that you're trying to fix the problem. But what other problem did you just create by saying, I'm, I'm the head of the house and you're going to listen to what I say? That, that's more tension. That's more fighting, potentially, right? But engage her in it, you know, but but stand firm and that you feel there's a problem and we need to fix it. And you want to get her ideas on it. It's some beautiful language, great leadership, not demanding, but at the same time, standing firm, tone of voice. But if I'm grading you, tone of voice, fantastic. Thanks, man. I always right. think I sound like Ray Romano from Everybody Loves Raymond, a little too nasally. Yeah. But it, 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 the, the tone really does matter when you say something like that, the body language, the tone. I agree. Already, it's it's like, hey, I'm not shoulder to shoulder communication. I'm not messing around. We got to fix this. Right. And I want to fix this. I want the best for you. I want the best for us. 
sets that tone that it's not just about me. It's about us, about our family. It's about our kids. It's about us making it to the end of the Appalachian trail and looking back going, wow, look what we did. So guys picture Mike as your boss and you hear Mike say, Hey, I want the best for you. You're like, you do. All right. What's what else you want to talk about? Like, let's talk more about this. So if your spouse, if your wife and you say, Hey honey, I I want the best for you. How's that conversation going to go? If you say that in alarm, warm, loving, caring, excited kind of way, your wife's going to, turn her ear to you. She's going to pay attention. She's going to probably even put her phone down. For some of those guys out there, and I've got buddies, great guys. I mean, great guys. But for them to change and use that kind of tone, I, I think their wife might pass out. I, and it, it, will, it will grab their attention. Like, whoa, what's going on here? What happens then when that happens? Um, I, I think, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I would assume that, you know, that that's going to create a lot of discussion opportunities yeah. um, that, that you should take advantage of and maybe, you know, have some fun with. I, I'm a big fan of, you know, date nights and continue to date your wife. I think it's important. Um, and I actually just came across a recent resource that I'll, I'll share with uh, with your followers here. Uh, the Gottman Institute. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. So they're fantastic. Uh, John Gottman's book's amazing. Uh, I was just reading an article. I was going to actually share it at the end with you. Uh, uh, but um, one of the things that actually a buddy of mine turned me on to it that's been through some marriage counseling is I didn't know that the Gottman Institute has an app and it's a flashcard type deal. And within there, I tell people, you know, all the time, go on, keep dating your wife, keep, keep learning about her, make, you know, other stuff about my wife I continue to discover. And um, there's some great date night questions in there. You know, you tell guys, go on a date with your wife, keep dating. And you're like, oh, we'll go do dinner and a movie. And then the discussions about the kids and, you know, there was no real growth there. Yeah, you spent some time together, but did you really laugh or learn more about each other or have a better understanding? Uh, flip through some of those flashcards uh, with your wife. And there's some great questions in there. And, you know, learn, learn a little bit more about each other. And, and a lot of it goes back to childhood stuff and understanding who they were and how they grew up and, uh, sometimes that's, you know, fun and funny. And sometimes that's actually uncovers some hard stuff that make you better understand why, why your wife is the way she is and allow you to have a little more patience for her. But uh, definitely, definitely keep, uh, keep that in mind. That's a good resource. So I've got a uh, podcast listener and you brought up the, the kid stuff and sometimes things are there. Uh, so his description of life, he says, Hey, things are wonderful. My wife and I are intimate more than we've ever been. And it's better than it's ever been. Kids are thriving. I'm killing it at work. I'm making a ton of money. Matter of fact, I'm even looking to go to another company and get promotion and more money. And I'm able to do it within the hours, you know, and I can family time and things are awesome. I'm like, wait, and I'm like, something's coming. And he says, the dang thing about it is I don't feel like our marriage has gone real deep ever you know, been married like 10 years and we, we've been kind of surface level. Like we're great teammates. Everything's clicking except for we haven't really connected at a deeper level because I know there's some things there on her side. I know there's some things on my side, but we haven't really talked about those things together. And I feel like 
I feel like I should probably do something about that someday. Yeah, I can't encourage your your listener enough to get after that and get after that quickly. And definitely while the times are good, what a better time to learn about each other than under stress. So I got laid off years ago. That created stress. What if it was that at that time that I was seeing my wife react in a way and we hadn't built those bonds, those understandings, that deeper connection. We might not have made it through that, you know, getting laid off very well because those are real things that happen, right? Or somebody right. gets somebody gets sick, or there's a death in the family, or there's, you know, all these different things that can happen. I'm not, you know, dude. If things are going great and you guys are running strong, enjoy that time. Those are the times to build those connections, build those memories, build those, you know you know, go on trips together and all that stuff, but don't waste that time in the sense of those could have been time for you to learn more about each other and connect at a deeper level. So yes, but a lot of it is we're not equipped, you know, nobody ever told us, Hey, ask these deeper questions, you know, get this deeper probing. Like that's where the whole thing about writing this book is, man, there's so much people didn't tell us, you know, guys and fathers that did not pass on to us. And part of it, because they didn't probably know either. So uh, again, I, I would, you know, do a little homework on, you know, challenge yourself, do a little homework, you know, Google uh, good, good date night questions or deeper on how to better deeper. There's so many articles written out there on, on marriage and topics and people to follow, um, you know, Dave Willis and Dave and Ashley Willis uh, are great. They're, uh, uh, they do all kinds of good stuff for marriage. I got a buddy uh, that I've made here that uh, does a lot of stuff with uh, XO marriage. Uh, Ted, mm-hmm. uh, that's Dave and Will, Dave and uh, Ashley Willis, but and then there's a, I think it's with Orange, uh, Ted Lowe uh, is another guy. He's a speaker and does stuff for marriage and has a book out there. Uh, there is a ton of resources. So for those guys who are like, well, I don't know what to do or how to strengthen my marriage. I'm, I'm going to pick on you a little bit. You're not looking because it's not, it's out there. You just need to, you need to look for the book, look for the podcast, look for the articles. There's all kinds of stuff on every single topic you're thinking about with your marriage. There really is. There's tons of stuff out there. But like me, I wasn't looking for it. I thought I had it all figured out. You know, so as much as I'm picking on you guys, you need to go look for it. I didn't think I needed to look for it. I wasn't, you know, I was in my 20s. We got married and I had the, you know, the world by the horns. You know, like I wasn't having problems, but it's it's at that time where you should be learning and growing stronger with your wife because, Something's inevitably going to happen. And I, and I don't mean to be pessimistic with that. It's just life. You know, I've heard over the course of your life, every 10 years, you're going to have a major financial crisis. Something's going to happen big and, you know, you're going to have to navigate it. So there's just, just finance, just finances, and then add in all the other type of things that come up. I wish I could pull in my financial advisor on this call. I, you know, he showed me the history of the stock market. Look at that as your example. You know, there's so many things the stock market, you know, the market's been through and that it's rebounded back from. But it's what are you doing when the times are well? What are you how are you being smart with your money? And 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 did you panic when the times were bad? So, you know, the financial overlay of how you're handling your marriage and and how you handle your money can very much uh an indicator right so that's you're you're going to have some sort of challenge and the stronger your bonds are the the whole lone wolf thing i can handle this and i can get my my wife and my family through this 
I assure you, you're that much stronger to gain alignment with your wife. And you guys are a team through these things now, you know, as opposed to I'm, I'm going to take all the burden on my shoulders. And this is my responsibility to get us through these hard times. You have probably a very smart, very, you know, uh, educated wife. That's probably look at things from a different angle that you're not looking at it from. So you can work through these things from the perspective you have, the perspective she has, and then come up with a perspective for you and your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, guys, your wife, I'm sure, is wonderful. You wouldn't have married her if she wasn't. So figuring out ways to appreciate her and uh, doing that daily, so, so critical. So I'll throw another another life scenario at you. Another guy I know, super big goals. A lot of life change potentially happening that they both agree they want to go towards. They both have their specific things they're working on. They're in agreement. They're teammates on this one. The world environment is working against against them right now. They're looking to move, house change. Interest rates are going up. Prices are skyrocketing. So it feels like the weight of the world is totally against them. And so where's the safest place to uh, you know, let your emotions out? with your spouse a lot of times they're like we're just getting after each other and it's horrible like what do we do how do i get out of this space yeah so arguing you know somewhere someplace somebody put it out there that oh if you're arguing a lot that's that's a bad indicator or or something like that but all the different articles and things i'm reading is you know arguing is good as long as it's healthy arguing, you know, if there's, if you're ugly in your arguing, that's not good. I mean, if, um, you know, if you're, if you have a complaint, that's one thing, but if you are being uh, critical and if you're being uh, sarcastic and if you're being mean and you're going after the character of that person in your arguments, that's where that gets unhealthy, right? But if we're trying to solve problems and there's tension there and, and you know, it's, it's helping people get out what's important to them when they argue. Um, the, the big thing that I've studied up on is uh, the importance of repairing and, and you know, something to stay conscious of. So how much damage did I do in the argument? You know, I don't want to do a bunch of damage that I need to repair. And for some people, it's you, you need to take a breath. You know, you actually physically your body chemicals change when you are heated and upset. You cannot think rationally. You know, when I'm so hot and so mad, if it's an important topic, I am probably going to say some things wrong. Uh, I'm going to probably say things the wrong way. And that's going to come out. And I'm going to feel like I have to defend what I just said, even though it may not be right. And it's just this vicious spiral. So I would say if there's a lot of arguing going on right now, there may need to be a lot of, um, uh, agreement that, hey, before we go down this road, we need to make sure that one, first of all, we're both rested. Worst thing you can do is get into arguments when you're tired. So it's that late afternoon or evening, it's been a long day and you're exhausted and you're arguing and you're tired. All kinds of mistakes are happening when you're tired. Um, like, hey, I'm really tired. I definitely, but don't avoid that, you know, there's stonewalling. You can just say, I don't want to have this conversation. That's not furthering the relationship. It's recognize this is an important discussion. We need to have it, but I think we need to cool down first. That's, that's going to be a very mature and safe way to go into that discussion. And then 
being understanding, which is crazy. You want them to understand, but you need to be understanding. I think uh, I wrote this quote down. Uh, we're all so desperate to be understood. We forget to be understanding. And so when we're arguing, it's like, I want you to understand. They're like, no, I want you to understand. And nobody's understanding because you're trying to force understanding and you're not being understanding. So something to think about when you get an argument is, hey, I want to give you a few minutes to help me understand your perspective. And just shut up. Just be quiet and listen and let try to understand. Don't argue back. Try to understand. And then if there's something you're not clear on, say, I'm not clear on this. How would that work if that helped me get there? Try to really calm yourself down, slow down, and then say, I, I need my opportunity to share with you. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's my perspective on it. You know, think about it. It's so interesting how we handle things at home that we do at work. Think about some of those knockdown, drag out fights that you have with your wife, the woman you love, the one you want to spend the rest of your life with. Would you ever talk to someone at work that way when it comes to arguments? No, no. we're no. If I had a disagreement with my boss or a colleague and we're in a work setting, there's no way I'd be saying the nasty things that some people say to their wives, or I'd be, you know, going after the character of my colleague, or I'd be like, it, that environment that's created at work creates boundaries. So create boundaries in your own environment with your wife that you won't go nasty and you won't go unfair or you won't go, you know, to these, these places that we end up going sometimes in arguments. Yeah. And if, if you do guys quick to apologize, quick to have that repairing conversation, restoring conversation and, uh, you know, bring to it something outside of just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for what, and how am I going to do this different in the future? And I totally understand how this hurt you. And I understand how it was unfair. And, you know, I feel terrible about it. Something like that, where dive into it as opposed to, Hey, sorry about that. Yeah, and I think, what? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So apologies have got to be sincere, right? You got to understand what you're apologizing for. But um, another thing I would add there is the challenge of emotional intelligence. And, and I, that's to. that's totally unique that your dad had emotional intelligence and transferred that to you because when you're when you grew up in your world of everybody grew up like this this is just the normal way oh my goodness i would say you got top three percent as far as you know not many got emotional intelligent fathers in the age that we grew up yeah now it doesn't mean i picked up everything i still had a ton to learn but uh it, it was interesting to look back on that and now that i'm raising kids going i want them to have emotional intelligence you know we all we all push for iq but eq is uh, actually a better predictor of life success is your emotional intelligence but it's not talked about as much as iq we're talking about what our grades are and where you know our kids are going to school and there's not a bunch of discussion around your emotional intelligence so uh, Travis Bradbury, uh, wrote a book, uh, emotional intelligence 2.0. And I would share you that out of the 500,000 people they surveyed only 36% can accurately identify their emotions. And so I talk about this in my book, how, um, most men, and this is in my own survey, gravitate towards certain emotions that are more strength emotions. We don't like feeling weak or scared or anything that would be less than a strength emotion. So we're operating typically out of half the emotions our wife is feeling. So if you think about your buddy that's going into arguments all the time, she's pretty emotionally upset. He's emotionally upset. I bet there's a lot of gravitation towards anger. 
Anger is a strength emotion. But actually what he may be feeling is fear. I don't know the answer. I'm scared too, but I'm not going to share that because I'm a man. I'm supposed to be strong. You know, so it comes out in anger and it comes out in, in, uh, in, in that kind of presence. So better understanding after those arguments are done, if you find yourself arguing a lot, like, where is this, where is this coming from? You know, why am, why am I so upset all the time and, and dig into that, that background a little bit. And anger isn't really the thing. It's just the thing that surfaces. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So we got to dive, dive deeper and figure out what's causing the anger. It's a different emotion that we probably don't know. You know, most men, if it's 36% can label their emotions uh, and they had a 50, 50 split on women and men, maybe women are 70 and we're three or whatever the math works out to be. Most yeah. guys have, have to learn, you know, more emotions other than, you know, angry, mad, glad, sad. Yeah. If you want to blow your mind, look up Gloria Wilcox feelings wheel. Yes. He breaks it down to the core emotions, the emotions that branch out to that. And, and even further from that, that when I first saw that, I was like, wow, a lot of therapists and stuff use that kind of stuff to help you understand, you know, what you're feeling. And I know when you talk with guys about feelings, we all like recoil a little bit and, you know, I don't want to talk about feelings. That's all weak sissy stuff or whatever, you know, understanding your emotions is strength. Understanding what you're feeling and how to handle it is strength. You know, I, you know, you're sad or you're upset is a real emotion. You can't, it's, it's a matter of how you express how you're feeling from that emotion. But um, if you're denying your emotions, you know, and you're, you're kind of lying to yourself and you're putting a mask on and you're not being authentic. You know, we all have these emotions. It's just a matter of how we feel them and express them or acknowledge them. And if you can be a better student of them, it's going to come out a lot better. So you talk about perceived normals. So let's talk about that a little bit. You know, I've got a ton of this, right? And, 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 the way right when we started up, how I grew up versus how you grew up. I bet there is a, we just had Christmas. Uh, you know, I bet there's a perceived normal for you on what happens on Christmas. Right. Yeah, of course. And I bet with your wife, like my wife, she had a perceived normal of what happens on Christmas. And so I know when we got married and we started having kids, we're like, well, no, you open one present before, you know, on Christmas Eve. And that present is always socks. You know, and well, no, no, you don't do that. And, and, and then on Christmas Day, the, these presents are out. And this is how, you know, there's all these different, uh, and this is real basic. And I'm getting at is these perceived normals of your childhood and what you grew up with that come into your relationship. And so I break that down a bit more in, the, in my book on really five core beliefs that you come into your marriage with. It's your normals on money. It's your normals on what love looks like. It's your normals on worldviews. It's your normals on health. You know, I call that like uh, diet and fitness and uh, a handful of, of normals. She's got her normals. You've got your normals. And a lot of the headbutting that happens, I believe, in marriage is, well, this was my faith. This is what I believe. And this is your faith. And these are things you'll go to war on. And money's a big one. Sex is a big one. You know, worldviews is a big one, you know, kind of tie in politics. Um, so that's that's important to discuss. You know, you talk about going out on date nights, uh, getting after these five 
core values, I call them, but essentially perceived normals can help and understand where those came from. Like, how did your wife grow up that she, she thought that was normal? I had a, a buddy who was going through uh, marriage issues and he and his wife separated like five times and they kept making up. And she said to him finally after the fifth time, and he was concerned and she goes, well, my, my parents separated like 12 times. This is just normal. Holy cow. Normal, right? So we have these crazy, you know, ideas of normal sometimes that need to really be uh, assessed. You know, what is, and, 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 we're, and, I, and I don't like using the word normal because then we all think we're striving for something that's, you know, idealistic. It's normal for you guys. You had what you came in, you believe to be normal. Need to create the, the new with you and your wife, which may mean sacrificing something. It's going to mean sacrificing something if you want to create something new with your wife. You know, it's not, hey, it's my way now. That, that, that's, not, that's not healthy, right? It's, let's, let's look at these things and what's that new normal. You brought the word sacrifice up. So one, perceived normals, absolutely, that's huge. Uh, I've always said like unmet expectations, however, also unspoken expectations. Oh, that's what you want to do that. I, I never knew if you had just ever brought that up, we could have done that the whole time, like whatever. So perceived normals for sure, like digging into all that stuff. Uh, you might be doing something you don't like, but you think it's something your wife has to have. She might not care for it either. Like talk yeah. about it, talk about it. You know, one that jumps to mind when you say that real quick is uh, sarcasm. Uh, it's kind of on the same vein. I, I know some buddies, they grew up, uh, they had a very sarcastic dad. And they're very sarcastic. And they, they just, uh, you know, think it's just part of who they are and their humor. And that's just normal. But they've never really sat with their wife. It's like, is this, is this hurtful? Because there are a lot of wives out there that have sarcastic husbands and at the expense of their wives uh, and it, they think they're getting a laugh and they just think it's normal. It's just who they are. That's part of their character. And that's their normal of who they are. And it's, it's hurtful. So it's even down to the dynamics of, you know, your speak and, and, and things like that, that are, are worthy of taking a look at as well. And having a that, discussion. That one's one that I don't hear very often, the sarcasm and I don't know how many years ago it was, but in the more recent three years, five years, 10 years, I picked up on that. And I was like, you know, I can't think many times where sarcasm is beneficial. Right. It can be funny to some, however, it's hurtful to one person. And my kids have been learning sarcasm, which is great right. that they can recognize it. Uh, employing sarcasm is a totally different thing. <laughs> Right. There's some good comedic timing with sarcasm. Don't get me wrong. There's some, there's some good stuff, but if it's part of your MO and it's constant and then, you know, maybe your wife is the continual brunt of that or, or certain people in your life are just something to, to self-assess on. Yeah. Yeah. So you brought it up. I'm like, be careful here, be careful here, pay attention. So you, you mentioned sacrifice. So this one's an interesting topic when you, when you put it in a marital perspective. What are your thoughts on sacrificing for the marriage, for your wife? What do we got to sacrifice? Can we not go uh, play poker on Friday nights anymore? Like talk about it. 
man, my mind went three different directions on that. And then he threw poker in there and it went a fourth direction. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll talk about that. And then I'm going to pull it back to uh, reference to, to two other guys that, that speak, speak on this as well. Um, so the poker thing, it's funny. I look back on that golf and poker, you know, I was in my twenties and, you know, we were having so much fun. I mean, we didn't have kids and then we started to have little babies. Um, and we didn't slow down our fun. You know, my buddies and I, we would get, you know, go play golf and we go do uh, poker and stuff. And it's fine. It, you know, for a guy, we, most of us, we need that kind of release. You know, we need that kind of escape from work and we need that fun. We need to be able to play. So I'm never going to tell anybody, you got to stop all that. That's, I think that's into important for me. It's now more about the outdoors and getting out on a hike or going kayaking or going fishing or something like that. That's, that's where I connect with God. That's where I, you know, find some inner peace kind of stuff. So uh, I will never tell a guy you got to sacrifice all that, but maybe a little bit more than what you're, you, you know, accustomed to and what you were doing in your you know early twenties and stuff like that. You have now a part of a family, you've created something, you have a, a significant other that she has the things that she wants to do as well. So often we find our wives are having to sacrifice because of we never did, you know, we, our work days got longer, but then we didn't sacrifice our time playing golf or sacrifice our time playing poker or sacrifice our time exercising. We did all the same things, but she's the one that had to sacrifice to make sure things were getting done at home or with the kids. So that self-assessment on, did you really sacrifice much? Who's, who's done more sacrificing in your home? And most often or not, the wife's done most of the sacrificing. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that uh, I would definitely uh, reference. uh, And that's something that wives just do naturally. Sure. They sacrifice all the time, just naturally. And they think they're doing the best and loving the family. And then they run out of who they are and they feel run down and unappreciated, unappreciated. Help me out here. Unappreciative. Unappreciative. Yeah. <laughs> Unappreciated. Sorry. They, they want to yeah. be, they, they want more appreciation and they feel like everybody's expecting her to do everything all the time and she's not getting any recognition for it. And that's where everybody's jumping in to help and things like that. And that's where resentment is born, you know, and, and we have to take accountability for those seeds that we planted. You know, if I'm running around doing all these things and, resentments being built, I, I got to look back and go, how much of that do I own? You know, I planted a seed years ago that I chose going to play golf or going to, you know, go to some game, you know, and over my wife needed me, you know, she was in a stage of life where she needed me. You know, I know when our kids were really young and she was, she, my wife actually struggled with postpartum depression mm. and I actually had to make a, a big adjustment and realization that uh, luckily I woke up to and, and time with her and help her out more. And that was a, a sacrifice. And, and, and looking back on it, it's not a sacrifice. It's, it's a duty. It's, it's my honor to be of service to her and be the, the husband and father I need to be. So that's another thing too, is look at, are you sacrificing? Are you doing, doing what you're meant and built to do and what God's calling you to do? And also recognizing it's a season of life. A lot of this isn't, oh my gosh, this is my new life now. And all these things I had to give up. No, it's, it, you're gaining something. And, and that time that you spend with your wife and, and finding new things and exploring and growing together, 
new ways to have fun and fun with her. And uh, yeah, things change, but it's up to you on how you perceive that change. So what about uh, time, decision-making, sacrifice, uh, whenever something new shows up in your life or uh, when you look at just your time, you know, the iPhone measures your time for you these days and, but you see how your time is spent. What are some ways to prioritize what's important? That's a tough one. Um, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of making lists. Uh, that's just something that if I want to get through my week and, and know that I've accomplished the things that I set out to accomplish, I've got to write it down for me. Um, we've had, you know, my wife and I'll have, uh, budget meetings or like, uh, you know, kind of a five-year goal planning, you know, sessions like, Hey, let's sit down and look at what's, what's a priority for us for this year. I think I know, uh, another buddy that does an annual trip, they plan a vacation, but they have certain topics they're going to address on that vacation and they, they make it fun. They're like, Hey, we're going to talk about our budget for the year but we're going to be at the beach doing it and, and mm-hmm. have some fun. So they turn maybe a tense topic and turn it into something they look forward to every year. So I think if you want to prioritize in your life and in your marriage, you got to actually slow down enough and make time for prioritizing. If I just go every day with, you know, you know, fly by the seat of my pants, kind of reactionary, you're going to end up someplace that you did not intend on being. And you're going to look back five, 10 years gone, man, how did we get here versus being intentional and purposeful on where do you want to be and dream together with your wife? My wife, we love to dream together. Our retirement plan has changed six times at least. And it's, it's fun. You know, like we, we were going to retire on the lake. Now we're going to retire on the river. You know, and then we've talked about now we're going to retire and have two different homes, one at the, the slopes and, and one on the river, you know, and, and how can we make that happen? I'm driving my financial planner nuts because I keep changing the retirement goal plans, but it's fun. We're, we're dreaming together and we're trying to set a course for uh, where we want to be as opposed to, you know, being a ship out at sea and just letting the wind blow us wherever we want. Yes. Yeah. Being intentional, knowing where you want to go. Otherwise you're going to look back and go, huh, I didn't really want to get here. But that's where, that's where the tide took us. That's where the path took us. So yeah, absolutely. And then not doing that on your own. Like you already, we didn't ask about it, but you're like, oh, my financial planners, you know, getting driven crazy by this. Like you're bringing other people into the decision-making and forming and, you know, you've got a team working towards that vision as opposed to going solo, that lone wolf type syndrome. Yeah, I've done that kind of stuff uncomfortably, I, but I recognized it years ago that, look, this is not my strength. Um, you know, I love having a financial advisor now. It actually helped with tensions with our discussions on money. I'm, a, I'm the spender. She's the saver. It's actually a little bit reverse in, in, in some of the households I've seen with the wife's the spender and the man's the saver, but uh, I like my toys. So anyway, the uh, bringing in a financial advisor helped us look at are we saving enough? Are we, you know, do we have more play money? You know, can we keep doing things? So it it was good to have a mediator. And then when, you know, things change or big, big events happen, we have someone else to bounce that off of that's educated, Um, which I'm not saying we're not educated. It's just, that's what they've, their area of study is. Why would you not leverage that? Yes, yes, absolutely. 
So Iron and Cotton Man's Field Guide to Marriage. So now I'll put you on the spot. Hey, bring it. What's something we haven't talked about that you want to share with the guys and just drill down and, and highlight the importance of something? Now, there's a chapter I wrote called Under the Influence. And I know when I say that, a lot of people think about drugs, alcohol, things like that. And that's that's a that's a piece of the puzzle in there that I mentioned and um, and even, uh, get into under the influence of uh, porn and, and social media and stuff. But um, one that uh, it's interesting, uh, people have read it like, oh, I really thought this was an interesting take on things. And it's something I probably need to assess is um, the people you hang around. Uh, so. I'll bring up uh, another verse here, you know, Proverbs 1320, walk with the wise or being a, among a companion of fools. I, I probably butchered that one a little bit, but that idea of who are you, who are you spending time with as a couple, I, I address that a bit in the book that I think guys need to reflect on. So we've, we've been through numerous relationships over time, some that are still with us today, other ones that we've fallen off from, but it's amazing and looking back on, wow, we weren't really paying attention to how that was impacting us individually and us as a couple, you know, and things to look out for. Are you, are you drinking more? Are you spending more money than you normally would? Are you um, a little more sarcastic, a little more cynical? Are you a little more judgmental of people? Or do you get together with these people and you find that all you do is sit around and, and you're talking about other people, you know? Or are you with people that, that, that lift you up, that encourage you, that are there for you, and that you're having fun with but, and life experiences and creating memories? So what, what is that looking like for you individually with the friends you're with, uh, for her, with her friends, and then as a couple who you're spending time with? So I would say a little sneak peek into the book there on something we haven't really hit on. Um, and there's a number of things we haven't hit on, but uh, that one uh, seems to pique people's interest. That one is a key one. And it's, in my experience, really hard to find that couple that you can hang out with that elevates your own marriage by seeing things that they're doing really, really well. So easy to find couples that just truly don't have a good marriage running solo, separate, separate lives, but living together kind of a thing and just trying to get by. But the people that have made the decision to thrive and are doing it at that thriving level is just beautiful to see. Sure. So, yep. I, I love that idea. You brought up porn and I meant to, meant to dive into that a little bit. Uh, what's the benefit of porn in marriage? I'm like throwing a question out there intentionally in a way to get a reaction. Yeah. I don't, I don't see any candidly. Um, so I'm I, with you. <laughs> I, 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 I don't see any benefit. I just see a lot of downfall. Um, you're setting expectations within your own mind. You're setting expectations on her. Um, you're creating uh, an environment and an idea that is hard to live up to on either end. And it's setting yourself up for disappointment um, and for a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. I know people that have divorced over porn alone. Um, I know people that have gone through marital struggles through that addiction and then where it can potentially lead to actual, you know, uh, infidelity um, outside of, uh, you know, just going to a screen that evolving into, well, I want to go see this play out. So there's a lot of dangers there. Um, there's a lot of freedom in getting away from that in your life and, and finding a lot of joy and the kind of intimacy that we're all looking for is not in there. That is manufactured and it is not real. It is all 
Um, and then the other thing to think about too is it is an unregulated industry. If we go back to talking about being a protector and this one hit me really hard years ago on when I started to dive into this a little bit more, doing some research on it, uh, how many women are being abused and how many children are being abused. And you can, you can convince yourself all day, I'm not hurting anybody. This is just me alone with a screen, but it's not true. The industry is multi-millions, billions of dollars. And a lot of that um, is, is uh, it's rape, it's child molestation. There are things going on that, that are not regulated and it's, it's very dangerous. We wanna say we're protectors, if we want to start protecting women and children more, we, we got to turn that stuff off. hundred percent. So yeah, I intentionally threw that question that way. Occasionally there's a guy out there in the, in the world that's, Oh yeah, no, it's here's how the good ways you can use that. And I'm like, man, none of those are good ways. I appreciate your very best arguments you've got about this, but all of them fall apart. As soon as we start talking about it a little bit more, none of yeah. them are beneficial. Yeah, if you want to kind of remind yourself of the damage that's going on, you can follow on Instagram, Exodus Cry. And a lot of those are personal testimonies that are coming out of there. They're doing a lot of stuff from what I can tell on trying to create uh, regulations for the porn industry to try and protect our children, try and protect, you know, uh, and when I say protect our children from one, you know, them being um sex trafficked and to, uh, you know, our kids seeing this stuff, right. It's so accessible. So anyway, I, I follow that cause it's a good reminder of, of what's going on out there. Yeah. These days they're saying nine, 10, 11 years old kids are starting to see yeah, it makes porn sense. images or videos or whatever. So, uh, if you think at six, seven years old, this isn't something you need to pay attention to. I'd say, nah, you really should. You really should about that time because it's just going to do nothing but keep getting the younger, younger kids. And it's, it stinks, right? I mean, it's, it's evolved to where we had to have conversations with our kids at a younger age than I ever would have wanted to, yes, to yes. say one, either they saw something and we had to talk about it or we're, we know that they're going to get exposed to it on the school bus with a kid that has a phone that's unread, you know, has no parameters on it. And they're looking at it and my kids sit next to it. There's just, you know, it's at some point in time, your kid is going to get exposed to this. I hate to say it, but it's, it's going to happen. So we've had uh, discussions at a young age with our kids that you are probably going to get exposed to some inappropriate stuff. And I am telling you, you need to look away and you need to, to move away or you need to you know, turn that off and, and, and there, there are some damaging, scary things that uh, you don't want to be a part of. Yep. Age, age appropriate conversations and multiple, multiple, multiple. It's not one big, huge oh, it's an ongoing one. On a bead speech. For sure. So it's a whole bunch of little ones. Sure. I agree. So we always like to close the, close the podcast out with a challenge. <clears throat> so something guys can do week to week that we can challenge them on. Maybe something simple, maybe something a little bit more difficult, but something that can be accomplished week to week that'll make their lives better if they do it. So I, I've listened to your podcast. I've heard the challenge and uh, I, I, uh, I'm I very excited about this. I'm going to kind of build out uh, this a little bit. Um, I'm actually not going to take something from my book. I'm going to steal something from an article I just read and go back to the Gottman Institute. This guy's got 40 plus years of being the industry expert on relationships. And it was a really cool article about the four horsemen. 
And so I will share with you to over the next week and, and candidly for the rest of your time with your relationship, beware the four horsemen. And the four horsemen are this criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. In your relationship with your wife this week, I would say, where are you being critical? Where are you holding contempt? Where are you being defensive? And where are you stonewalling? And can you recognize those? First start with, can I even recognize that I'm doing this? And I had a great discussion with my men's group about this. Criticism, let's make sure we understand that. There's a difference between a complaint and criticism. We can have complaints. You know, hey, I'm unhappy about this. Is this something, you know, can this change? Or I'd like to see this change versus criticism where you're going after their character. I'm I'm happy about this and you stink at that and you're awful. And, you know, all these all these blaming, uh, you know, vicious kind of attacks. Um, Contempt is is literally anything that just, you know, you're not you're not letting them out from under your thumb like you're you're they just can't win. You're not giving them any room to do anything in your very you're disgust you're you're going at them with disgust um so where are you just absolutely disgusted and you're not coming from a loving place defensiveness that's probably my weakness you know that's something i've got to work on i'm trying to be that much more aware of and then stonewalling that's where you just you're not even engaging you become apathetic you're walking away you're turning your back so those are the four things i'd say beware the four horsemen this week and just recognize that And then the final challenge is where can you build your friendship with your wife? You know, we talk about, you know, uh, loving our wives and sacrificing our wives. Where can you just be a better friend to your wife? Uh, There's a bit of information out there on if you can build your friendship with your wife, you're going to see the intimacy, the connection, the sex, everything get better if you can be a better friend. And I wouldn't overcomplicate this. Think about how you treat your friends. What are the kind of things and activities you do with your friends? We talked about sacrifice earlier. What does she do with her friends? Does she watch The Bachelorette, The Bachelor, those shows you can't stand, you don't want to watch? You know what? Surprise her and go, you know what? I want to watch a show with you tonight. Your pick. I'm not going to go run off the other room and get on my device and watch something else. I'm going to sit next to you and watch what you want to watch. And I'll, I'll steal this from Peter Burke, the guy that wrote Your Marriage Matters to God. He's the one that told me, he goes, you're willing to take a bullet for your wife to you know, sacrifice yourself to protect her but you won't hand her the remote and watch what she wants to remote watch. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, yeah, there's your sacrifice right there. Just a little daily sacrifice of some sort this week to show that you not only want to be with her intimately, you want to be her friend. And what does that look like? Let her talk, spend time with her, do some, find whatever hobby she's in. Go get a pedicure. You ever had a pedicure? <laughs> Would no, you admit I that never on this have. podcast? Go do something with her. Be man enough to say, I could go sit down and get a pedicure with her. I don't give a rat's butt what anybody else thinks. I'm going to go spend time with my wife on something she enjoys. That's, that's, that's what I would challenge you to. I love that. I love that. So, so guys, the, the four things were criticism, contempt, defensive, and stonewall. You might consider writing those down. You might consider putting those on your mirror. You might consider putting that a little card in your office, in your wallet, on your phone, but somewhere where you can see those four words that it is a reminder to you. So as you're going through your week and you go, what were those things that the, those guys sounded like? That was a good idea. What, what were they talking about again? But having it someplace visible so you can just quickly go back and go, oh, dang it. 
<laughs> that was that was the thing. That was the contempt. That was the defensive. That was the stonewalling. I can't believe I just did that. And then, and then we and need then to fix it quickly. Yeah. And then when you recognize it, one of the best predictors of uh, marriage success is the ability to repair. So you got to recognize where you made damage, first of all, but then, uh, you know, go repair it, do what you can to repair it. Yeah. So we got a two for there. We got two challenges there. So that is fantastic. One, one reflective within your own self and then, uh, looking to build those opportunities of friendship with your wife. So those are fantastic. Mike, thank you so, so much. I appreciate your time. We covered so much. I got so many notes. Like, this is awesome. Cool, man. I'm glad to hear it. I hope this was helpful for, for you and your audience. And uh, I'm, I really appreciate the opportunity here. You guys can uh, check out my book. It's on Amazon, Iron and Cotton. Um, you can check out my, uh, well, Iron and Cotton. Just know you're going to see a bunch of ironing boards and uh, some t-shirts. And then about fourth one down, you'll see my book. So <laughs> I, I Iron and Cotton, Field Guide to Marriage, you'll, you'll find me on there or just search my name on Amazon, Mike Povins. And then if you want to learn more or follow more, ironandcotton.org. And uh, I'm doing more on Instagram than I am any other platform. And that's okay. just at, at Iron and Cotton. But I uh, really do appreciate the time, buddy. And I appreciate everything you're doing to, to bring out the best in men. And, and, uh, and I think Iron and Cotton is kind of self-explanatory, but well, there's a, there's a chapter in there if we're, we're running long on time, but I'll tell you, it's a, it's a personal reference to uh, something I carry on me all the time. So it's a pocket knife and handkerchief. And those are symbolic of having strength and utility and, and uh, being a protector, uh, the pocket knife. And then the, the handkerchief's not just to blow your nose. It's, uh, it's a compassionate tool. It's a, it's a piece of softness, a, a piece of... Um, you know, a, it can be a bandage for a, a wound on your kid's leg. It can be, uh, you know, I've wiped many a tear away from my wife that uh, when she's gotten upset about something. So uh, just think about having those tools with you all the time, that strength and that compassion. That's what the iron and cotton stands for. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate it. And guys, seriously, go check out his website, ironandcotton.org, and then go buy his book and read that sucker. Buddy, I appreciate it. Hey, you bet. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Mike. See you next week, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, thanks for blessing all of us and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.